1: more than once actually do i have to say yes you do in the car before my kids pta meeting really
2: yes excuse me what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky
1: i never win and tell well there you have it you could get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com play
0: for free right now are you feeling lucky no purchase necessary void prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details the super media bros podcast is a founding member of the odd pods media network
2: Super media promise.
0: Crazy for, uh, for only having 12 tracks. It was quite a quick listen.
1: Yeah, every time I listen to it, I'm like,
0: it's been an hour? Really? I've seen one hour wrestling shows that feel longer than this. Right? Welcome to episode 259 of the Super Media Bros podcast. I'm Richie. And I'm Devin. Uh, we're back with some music, finally. We haven't talked about music in a very long time on the show. Sadly. I know. We promise more of it this year. Trust us. <laughs> like it's got to happen. Uh, so today we're going to talk about the debut solo album from Villa Valo from the band him, which it feels so weird to say ex frontman of that band.
1: Yeah. And honestly, if you go based off of this album that he has released, uh, you could honestly have fooled a lot of people in saying that it's not him.
0: Yeah. And I mean, the album is called Neon Noir and Really and truly, it is a solo album through and through. It's not like, you know, some singers that don't play instruments, period, and they have to hire outside people or whatever. Like Valo worked on this through the pandemic and did all the instruments himself, which coincidentally, I mean, he really did the same thing in the band. Him, he wrote and composed most everything. But mm-hmm. when it came time for the studio, the band members themselves played on the album. Right. And tonally speaking, um. We were talking about this off-air for anybody that's a fan of Vallo or the band him. Anybody familiar with their discography, this for both Devin and I really feels like a pseudo follow-up slash companion piece, or like you worded it, like a B-side to Screamworks.
1: And whenever I say B side, that's not like how traditionally people see the B side as like the lesser. No, it's just like
0: flip the record over.
1: Yeah, it sounds like this. Goes along with it, but it's the softer side of Screamworks.
0: Yeah, I kind of compared it to being like the, uh, the Yang to the Yin of Screamworks, mm-hmm. which uh, at 57 minutes, it is definitely a hefty album. Yeah. But I genuinely enjoy how it does feel like him, but there's little subtleties that differentiate it. Mm hmm such as more leaning into like the 80s influence, you know, with the synthesizers and the keys and everything like that.
1: Yeah. Like he had said that U2 was a huge inspiration and you can really hear it.
0: And I remember when this album got announced, there was a YouTube video that I saw and it was on, it was actually through the Hardogram Instagram and Twitter account. And I think the Facebook account too, like all in the same day, the profile photo changed to a newer Hardogram. Now granted, Valo had dropped the Gothic of Finica volume one EP over the summer of 2020. Was it 2020?
1: Yeah. I remember I had started working my new job and at one point it would have been like a year and a half. And I was like, where's volume two? And you were like, yeah, I've been wondering about that. Little do we know we had to wait yet another year and a half, but it's all good. It's all good.
0: Yeah. and I mean, those three songs wound up making the cut of neon noir, but. We weren't expecting a full album drop. No, because I saw the fucking Hardogram logo, a different version of the Hardogram logo where it's more tailored to VV, which is Villavallo's initials, and all the stuff on the Hardogram. Which all the accounts were called Hardogram instead of him. They they just changed it just to Hardogram, and the logo changed. And I want to say it was the um, it was the love letting one because for each single there was a different colored yes, and correct. design yeah in a different colored and different design hardogram on each one but that's all he would do. And then a handwritten lyric like like handwritten lyric straight from his his journal
1: which by the way I pre-ordered uh something from Magazine Direct and it's Metal Hammers version of like going through Ville Valo right now. Ask me if I'm getting an autographed lyric sheet. Oh hell yeah dude that's great. Dude, I'm so hyped.
0: I picked up Metal Hammers' magazine whenever they did the final interview with him.
1: I did the, too. And it came with like the little booklet of all of their interviews yep. over the years. Yeah, dude, that shit was fire.
0: Yeah, I've got a couple of those copies somewhere around here. But mm-hmm. let's get into the album. We got the Gothic affinica tracks which are on here, which those were Salute the Sanguine, uh Saturnine Saturnalia, and Runaway from the Sun.
1: And it's funny because whenever I saw the uh track list and I saw that those made the cut, at first I was like Love those songs. I heard them by this point almost three years ago. Though I I don't know. I don't want it to be to where by the time the album drops, I've heard half of the album. I don't want that. And and it wasn't like to downplay any of the music. It was just like, oh man, I I hope
0: it's not distracting. Right? Because and this isn't like a knock on any of these at all. No, because like this is no. a fantastic album front to back. Oh, I, dude, I loved it. I was worried that between those three. And then getting um, Love Letting, which was the first single from this album, and then getting Echo Locate Your Love, and then finally Neon Noir, the title track, getting dropped. That's half the album. Mm -hmm. I was worried that were the Gothic Affinica tracks the ones that were going to sound distinctly like those, because those three sounded like leftovers from the hymn cutting room floor. If I'm being honest, that's what it Mm -hmm. sounded like, which of course it is, but they didn't to me match... the tone of love letting. Cause love letting was different sounding. Um, the drums were different. Like I noticed a distinct difference between, um, the drum kits a little bit and then, uh, using like timpanies in the background. Um, yeah. Stuff like that.
1: Love lettings drums were drier. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You
1: could tell it was electric.
0: You mm-hmm. could tell the drums are electric. Not a bad thing though. No. And then echo locate your love is probably the closest as far as like the newer tracks that were getting released as singles that let me know, okay, he's going to be doing a bit of everything stylistically Mm. on this, because obviously it's got the influence, you know, from his songwriting and shit, but that is such a powerful track and it's the opener on this one. And when you hear the other three from Gothic of Finica being put in here, in context, I think we said the same thing about Blinkway 82's nine album. The singles, the singles by themselves, I was like, what the fuck? But then when that album came out in context, the whole thing's great together. Yeah. And that's what this did. And I didn't have any doubts that it would be good. It oh, no. actually exceeded my expectations. If same,
1: anything. same. And which is so weird to say because it almost sounds like you and I are both doubting Valo and we never did. It's just like, we're not saying it to like, say that we had low expectations it's just like
0: was the god, energy gonna be
1: there yeah like god damn dude what the fuck like honestly in terms of vocals okay personal bias venus doom is not only my favorite hymn album it's one of my favorite albums period okay uh all time so to me like that's a masterpiece but vocally safe for venus doom this is the best Vallow has ever sounded.
0: And the weird thing about that, you saying that is during the recording and touring of Venus doom. Valo was pretty much at the fucking worst time of his life with alcohol I know. and shit. I and know. in fact, on that tour, he just de- like, he destroyed his voice so bad, making that album, like drinking and everything, dude, I don't know if you've ever really like gone and studied the live cuts of this band or of him over the years mm-hmm. during that tour all the songs were tuned way down on guitar. Like I think yeah. like a step, a step down, maybe a step and a half on certain ship. Mm-hmm. And it's nuts thinking that because maybe, you know, to match the tuning on the songs from Venus doom and that way they don't have to switch guitars live or whatever. But I know it was to save his voice on those tours.
1: Oh, well, yeah. And I don't know. I range wise Venus doom, even though it, you almost feel uncomfortable mentioning it because it was such a dark place for him, but.
0: It's all his lower register on that album.
1: Yeah, and to me, and also just straight up range, like he went through every octave known to man in that album. But to me, it's just like, I felt that album the most, you know, because I've been there. So I think that's why
0: I gravitate towards it. It's so strange to me because I feel like the four Finnish releases and then the four American releases, they all, par- like if you line them up, they kind of parallel one another. Mm-hmm. Like If you look at uh, Volume 666 and then Dark Light, and then you look at Razorblade Romance, and then you look at Venus Doom, Deep Shadows and Brilliant Highlights, and Screamworks, and then you look at Love Metal and Tears on Tape, the sound quality. Yeah, is what it is for me, like the uh, the the studio production, because you can hear that finished production finally that, creep its way back in on tears on tape and then on Venus, team. because they actually had an American producer on yeah. Screamworks, which, which it was
1: for Blink-182, wasn't it?
0: No, the guy that the guy that produced on uh, Screamworks, I want to say, did work with like Taking Back Sunday. Maybe
1: that's what it was. Yeah, he
0: did a lot of work on Taking Back Sunday's uh, stuff. I, I, I remember, Matt Squire.
1: I remember seeing the name and be like. Hold on, I know that name. Yeah,
0: he's worked with like Underoath, Panic of the Disco.
1: That's probably what it was. Simple
0: then. Plan, The Use. Like, he worked okay. with a lot of American alternative, like um, post hardcore bands, which, to be fair, ScreamWorks was the cleanest sounding production that they've had. And it was the most Americanized production sound.
1: Yeah, uh, you don't hear that finished, like almost white noise in the back.
0: Yeah, and that's what I was going to get at with Neon Noir. There's really none of that in the none production, and that's what I think is distinctly different about this record and why it's such a parallel to Screamworks. Mm-hmm. It feels like he meant to say, okay, I'm definitely from Finland. I'm definitely influenced by all the same shit that I was before, but I want to make an album that doesn't sound like it's from Finland. He want, he, it, this sounds completely like an album that was meant to be released forever ago.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: but pushing the envelope for his sound, because let's be honest, it, it's pretty much his fucking sound. Yes. Getting back to the track listing though, um, run away from the sun, salute, the sanguine and "Saturnine" and are the ones that sound the closest to that sound though. And I think it's because those were the first three done and released, but they don't stick out whenever you listen to the full thing. Either. No. And they're not. And that's the sad thing is like, This whole album is great, and those three are not even the best cuts on this record.
1: No, it's. I'm like, Jesus, this is insanely good.
0: Yeah, because I could sit here and pick offhand, like as we go through, and be like, okay, this one stands out. This one stands out. This one stands out. Obviously, Echo Locate Your Love stands out because it's just very well put together. Run Away from the Sun, again, sounds like a um, a leftover cutting room floor from him, probably actually from Venus Doom.
1: I can see that. Like, where would it. Obviously, it was cut for a reason, but I'm saying, where would you put it on this album? No, 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 on Venus Doom.
0: Really, like it could probably have gone on Dark Light as well. Honestly,
1: yeah, I was thinking Love Metal, but Dark Light makes sense as well. Yeah,
0: Runaway from the Sun is more of a Dark Light like transition into Venus Doom track or whatever. But I probably mm-hmm. would have stuck if this was Runaway from the Sun, Cyanide Sun, right fucking after it. Mm-hmm. Um. But the title track, Neon Noir, Dude. that that one has deep shadows and brilliant highlights written all the fuck over that guitar, that guitar lead in the beginning of it. Just that's what it reminds me of that that era of, of him. And what a great track. What a great title track, too, which the name of the album. I was like, that's a perfect fucking title, because I was always wondering what he would call whatever he did outside of that band. And I wasn't expecting the album cover that we got for it, like while no. we're on that subject of the of the uh, title.
1: but it's cool it is and it's one of those things whenever i first saw it it's almost like the weekends after hours where at no point was i ever like well that's trash i never disliked it whatsoever i was just like that of all the photographs to choose from you chose this one Uh, okay but that's only with the context of at the time four songs that we had okay And then whenever I heard the full thing, I just looked at the album cover. I was like, that fits. That's exactly. Yes, I get it now. Same with After Hours. When I first saw the image, I was like, oh, oh, okay." Then when you now it's at the point where it's like, fuck any of the alternative cover arts, like I, I, I want the original.
0: And like, what would you even use for like an alternative cover art for this? You know what I'm saying? It's like, it, it doesn't make, like, I wouldn't want another album that has like, even with the newer Hardogram logo, mm-hmm. I wouldn't want it plastered all over it because I like that he's trying to just make it its own thing too.
1: make it its own thing. And also it's him, pun not intended, Right. Um. but it's just, it's about Ville Valo, VV, you know? Yep. And also, if you really look at all of the him album covers, the Hardogram was front and center quite often, but it was never the only thing going for it. Like,
0: Vallo was front and center on their first three albums. Yeah. And he hasn't been on an album cover until this. Mm hmm. Because the Hardogram didn't become like an actual prevalent front row thing until Love Metal. Yeah, exactly. I definitely enjoy how he subtly put. That shit in his eyes on this yeah, cover,
1: too. with the uh, selfie light is what I'm assuming he used, because that's what it appears to be, but I don't know if it was.
0: Fix it in post, that's what it is. <laughs> you think so? <laughs> that's, oh, fuck, yeah. That's a de- okay. that's definitely a post-production uh, thing.
1: Okay, because I, I had just assumed that he had, like, the little selfie lights and just had them, put like, curved into a V.
0: Yeah, but I, I would imagine that's what it's supposed to mimic, so. Oh, well, yeah. Definitely I, nailed it.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. I always knew that it was intentional. I just don't know the exact like process.
0: Yeah. Uh, and then from neon noir, it goes into love letting, which the album cut of this is a little different than the single cut that came out. Cause the album, mm-hmm. the album runs at four minutes and 50 seconds. And if I'm not mistaken, the, the uh, single cut is like three minutes and 58 seconds. Cause there's like a longer outro on this one too.
1: Yeah. There's an intro, the outro, and then there's a whole nother, um,
0: there's a whole vocal line in, yeah.
1: the, in the center of it,
0: which, I actually like the album cut better.
1: Yeah, dude, it was gorgeous. It was so beautiful, which, by the way, can we discuss some of the transitions where it does have that sort of like tape rewinding or uh, at the very end of the final track where it's starting to warp at the end? Like my man kind of did what I wanted to do, but better. Oh, Yeah. yeah, because remember, I wanted to warp a track on one of my musics and I just couldn't quite figure out how to do it and make it sound good. So yeah. I just scrapped the idea,
0: right? But I I like that that has been kind of a prevalent thing. If you go back as far as like Venus Doom, like Mm-mm. going ahead and bringing that back, um, at the end of Bleed Well, yeah, huh? it's ladder. Yeah, it sounds like I I don't know exactly what it is that it was trying to be, but to me it sounds like those old school real to real tapes, like snapping and fucking, like spinning mm. out of control and just yeah. whipping around and shit, and you just you can hear the tape delay happening on it, and then on tears on tape, the album opens and closes with the flipping of a cassette tape. This one has some of that similarity, uh, going on. And I dig all the transitions though. Like it sounds ethereal in a lot of ways too, but love letting, as far as like the first single was definitely an unexpected thing. Cause when, when we found out he was dropping something, I was like, Oh fuck. Yeah. I could I couldn't wait to hear, like I would expect, I was expecting, um uh, I was expecting something like uh, The Forever, which the next track is The Forever Lost or Echo Like Hate Your Love, like the first one. I was expecting something like probably those two to get released as the lead single, but took a big chance with Love Letting. And I wasn't underwhelmed. I just wasn't expecting him to put something so mellow out at first. Right. But it definitely is the most accessible sounding one of the entire album. If you really like get down to like brass tacks about radio play. Mm-hmm. Love letting is probably the most easy listen on this entire thing. I mean for a casual listener, I would yeah, say. Yeah,
1: yeah. to introduce them to this kind of sound. Did you have that kind of same thought or I didn't even think about that just because like it, it, it's weird because I don't think of him as something that overall that you just show to casual radio heads. You show it to people that like music. Like I feel, I always felt like
0: him was a band's band, right? And is like at the same time, you showed that band to somebody who appreciates Sabbath, My Bloody Valentine, and who was also a fucking art student. Does does that make sense? You know what I mean? Typo
1: negative, you know shit like that.
0: Yeah, exactly. You show it to somebody that is like, okay, these and and granted, him and Vallow like respectively always kind of got shit on for being derivatives of some of these artists, but at the same time. They are the only ones that sound like this.
1: Well, not only that, but every band is derivative of something.
0: Yeah, exactly. And to listen to Vallow's influences, when he speaks about him, it's like, shit. He was big on Kiss growing up. Yeah. He was big on Zeppelin growing up.
1: Dude, he was big on Faith No More. Yep.
0: whole bunch of shit. And I want to say, like, the Forever Lost, like, getting into the next track, the, the Forever Lost... That one right there definitely is something that could have gone on our quote unquote side A of Screamworks. Like that mm-hmm. that song could yeah. have definitely like lived on there because the uh, the keyboard uh, piece in the beginning is a hundred percent in that realm. I still dig how heavy the rest of the underlying shit is on the harder tracks like that one, and that was not even like the heaviest track on here, like at all. And it's still fucking upbeat and fun to listen to. I think that's one thing I do like about. Valo is when when the songs are upbeat, they're fucking upbeat, man. Yeah, baby, Lacrimarium though. This is one that he's been leaving like so far. He's only like three or four shows into the tour that he's setting out on. Like he played three shows uh, with his band in Finland. Which, by the way, uh, to get into how this stuff translates live, he's only got two guitarists, a bassist, and a drummer in his band. He's using backing tracks with the rest of the instrumentation. Even okay, even his harmonized vocals are in the background. Like oh, wow. Nobody is doing backing vocals live. It's literally just him up front singing. And he was doing that towards the end of uh, him's run as a band as well because for the longest time, Burton and uh, Mijay were doing dual backing vocals yeah, alongside him. And the last tour they did that on was Screamworks. After that, they fucking stopped. Hmm. They didn't do it on tears on tape. Which was one of the first times Valo was like accompanying, playing acoustic live with some of the some of the music, and then on the farewell tour they did, that none of them none of them did it. So he's probably used to that and was trying to make use of like, okay, well let's not have a bunch of fucking people on stage, but let's have a rock band on stage, because he's doing more layered guitar work on this one. That's one thing I did notice. There's Mm -hmm. like definite rhythm and definite like um, pieces where you're going to need more than one guitarist doing this shit.
1: Right. The production here was insane.
0: So, with "Baby Lacrimarium," um, it's definitely a great track. But I think this one might actually be one of my least favorites. And it's not saying that like, oh, my least favorite means it sucks. That's not even it at all. I'm just saying like, it's probably like my least uh, favorite on this one. But it is a good halfway mark for this this record. For this one being like my least favorite, I definitely dig the lyrics. Like that's one thing that you can say about Valo is that even even on some of the songs that you know some would be like okay well maybe that's not my least favorite on this record or whatever. Like he's very consistent, but I feel like lyrically he's had some time. Yes. It's been 10 fucking years since he's put anything out fully, like a full album. It's been 10 fucking years since Tears on Tape. We're old. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Man, I was twenty-seven.
1: Out was sixteen.
0: Jesus fucking Christ! Let's go. Yeah. So, baby, baby, lacrimarium is a pretty good like halfway mark on on this record before it kicks into the latter half of it.
1: As far as like, and again, there's no bad track here. If we're gonna go with least favorite, maybe the instrumental interlude, which even then, that's not. That's not to discredit the song whatsoever. It's just, I'm just not an instrumental track person, you know? Like, if that's ever an intro to an album, I usually skip it, you know, and just go into track two. Uh, But even here, it's a pretty short track, so it never overstays its welcome. It feels like a nice, mellow, just like...
0: (sighs) That's how a lot of it was on Cheers on Tape, though, because that's the first time they dabbled in doing anything like that, like little instrumental interludes.
1: And it helps that those transitioned into the next track. Correct. So it it just felt like that track was extended.
0: Really. Would, you, would you have stuck that, which we'll get to it eventually, but would you have stuck that one in the center of this album as like a breaking point?
1: Um, Normally, yes, but because the last track is so long, it doesn't, bother me
0: it feels like it should be one track
1: yeah so it it i'm indifferent uh, it's one of those things of like and eh, if he wanted to put it there cool if he didn't
0: cool speaking of wanting to put it there <laughs> we're gonna pay some bills and we'll come back after this break oh thank god I'm, I'm i'm knee deep in it yeah no shit same you're listening to the super media bros podcast on the odd pods media network throw money at our dicks
1: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: <coughs> hey, guess what? What? Did you know Manscaped is now selling beard products? Funny
1: enough, I'm just now starting to grow a beard.
0: I, I know. I was really proud of you for, for doing that. I know. I'm trying to braid it like a Viking. Did you have to do the thing where you like Play-Doh squeezed yourself for it to come out? Yeah. No, it's okay. I won't tell anybody that happened. Thank you. Manscaped is once again revolutionizing men's grooming with the brand new Beard Hedger Pro Kit. From a beard trim to a fresh shave, the technology behind the Beard Hedger Pro Kit allows you to shape your signature beard look. And now you can finally use Manscaped products to make sure your drapes match your carpet. So go to manscaped.com using our code SUPER to get 20% off and free shipping. Nobody likes a weird beard, so say goodbye to all your stubble trouble with the new Pro Beard Kit from Manscaped. It all starts with the Beard Hedger. This thing is a juggernaut of fixing faces. You've seen it. It's freaking huge. Dog, this thing is fire. Speaking of Viking, it's like a weapon. Oh, yeah. First off, this thing is cordless, and it's got a rotary wheel that gives you 20 haircutting lengths all in one guard, so there's no more messy drawers full of extra add-ons. I can't stand that. Like,
1: finally. Yeah, it's kind of a pain. Like, it's honestly one of my pet peeves in my bathroom.
0: Not anymore. Face grooming doesn't need to be hard, so you're going to get 20 different beard lengths in just one guard. Plus, it's waterproof, so you can avoid all that hair in the sink. The titanium-coated T-Blade is tough on hair, but smooth on your face, leading to single-stroke efficiency that brings satisfaction one stroke at a time. The Pro Kit does not end there. They've also created four dermatologist-tested formulations for your post-trim care. uh uh-huh. Yeah, remember how you were talking about getting a beard balm and shampoo and all that stuff? Yeah. All right, well, check this. First off, the beard shampoo and conditioner. What? Yeah. You need to remember that your hair is different on all parts of your body. Uh Your beard hair is more coarse and easier to damage than the hair on your head. That's why the kit has made shampoo and conditioner specifically designed to moisturize, reduce ingrown hairs, replace natural oils, and promote beard health. Next up, the kit's got Manscaped's beard oil. Nobody wants a guy whose beard is brittle and dry. Mm -mm. The oil relieves dryness, both on the beard and the skin beneath, while adding a little shimmer and shine, making you look extra fine cap off the kit with the beard bomb. It's a pomade that shapes, styles, moisturizes, and tames for a sculpted look to attract any fellows or dames. The Pro Beard Kit also comes with three free gifts. A beard brush, a comb, and scissors to ensure that your beard is ready to impress. And dude, that beard brush is so soft and my god, the comb? <laughs> I love that thing. It's got two like sides. You can flip that thing around for thin or like you know, wide.
1: <laughs> I've been using my old clippers guard. Like taking it
0: off of the clippers. And and combing it with it? Yeah. Oh, not anymore, dude. Oh, this is going to be so much better. Ah, right? This kid has got it all. And you guys can get it all by going to manscaped.com and getting 20% off with free shipping by using our code SUPER. That's 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com using our code SUPER. The Manscaped Beard Hedger. One stroke. One guard. 20 lengths. Thank you, Manscaped. You're the goat. Goated. Hey this is Russ. This is Kyle. This is Michelle. From the Infectious Infectious Groove Podcast. Join us every Monday for the most fun you can have with a music podcast. The Infectious Groove Podcast uses a positive and fun approach as we take time every week to share our jammy jams then dig into a thought-provoking topic discussing all decades and genres of music. You can find the Infectious Groove Podcast on all major podcast platforms or you can head to infectiousgroovepodcast.com to find us there and subscribe. We might have a controversial opinion here or there but we always Always have fun with it. I'm
1: sure I'll say something dumb.
0: Subscribe to the infectious groove podcast, part of the odd pods media network. All right, we're back. Uh, So we're going to pick up on the second half of this one with salute, the sanguine, which of the three on Gothic of Feneca definitely like the standout to me. Mm -hmm.
1: I, I always felt that uh, the final track to Gothic was my favorite only because it felt so epic with the long outro and solo and all that stuff. But that, that's just me. Like, all three of those were fire.
0: Yeah, see, Saturn I and Saturnalia was probably like the Venus Doom track.
1: Yeah, that's probably why I like it. Because yep. it, it, you know how I am. I love me some fucking heavy shit. And I love experimental. I love all of that. So, honestly, Venus Doom makes sense that it would be my favorite. And so, by default, it makes sense that this was my favorite track from that ep
0: right and then to me salute the sanguine was a tears on tape leftover yeah i can see that it's the acoustic yeah being played i along can with definitely it. see that and it's a great track uh lyrically it's fucking amazing um i love the opening line death death come blow me a kiss through hmm. this cathedral of cards like that's so fucking cool because think about that line it's a fucking card house it's a cathedral card house that would fucking knocked over with a fucking, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He's just like welcoming that shit. Um, anybody else at the music industry, uh, singing the line, remind me how to decrypt the cipher written in the blood of my heart would probably get laughed at. But the fact that Vallow can sing this and fucking make you feel something with lyrics like this. Yeah. He's, he's really good at his craft. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Do you think some of that comes from him being foreign? And so you almost give him the pass because it's like, well that is that sounds something
0: that wouldn't be from here. Sure, but also Vallo is extremely well read. Oh, that too. With poetry and literature and literally everything. Mm-hmm. Like he's so highly educated. It's oh, un fucking real. Is. Like Probably one of the most well-educated men in rock, you know, Yeah. not saying that everybody in rock is fucking stupid or dumb no, as rocks no, or nothing no. like that, but the man has class. I mean, have yeah. you seen, have you seen this man's fucking coffee endorsement yeah. over there? Have you seen the commercial? I have. It's, yeah. it's fucking fantastic. Like when you say, even though it's in Finnish, like you, you see it coming in and he's just sitting there and I'm like, bro, Vallo of all people would absolutely be the guy. They're like, man, this motherfucker drinks coffee. Who doesn't light up a fucking cigarette with their cup of coffee. This this man does give it to him. Yeah. (laughs) And this man's like sitting there. Like, I can't even fucking begin to try to sound like this man. I, nobody's ever going to, but it was just funny hearing him talk about like what I would imagine him saying in English is just like, fuck you drink this coffee. Yeah. (laughs) Like seriously, like drink this coffee and suck my dick. (laughs) Bro.
1: But it's just fucking, I don't know. he, it Just the way that he exudes that sort of, like, I don't know. There's just something about the way he speaks, too. He's got too. fucking class for days, yeah, bro. Yeah, dude. That's what it is. And it's funny because even whenever he was young and really didn't give a fuck, my mans would walk around hotels barefoot but then lay in the bed with his converses on. And it's just like, that's so grody. That's so gross, dude. But for some reason, you still own it? I, I don't I don't understand.
0: Yeah, I'll I'll never forget the story of Bam Margera talking about one of the first times that he had beer for breakfast, like day drinking with, with Ville, like it's like seven o'clock in the morning. He's cracking a beer open from the fucking uh the the, the bar in the hotel room. Like, cause mm-hmm. they had their own little private bar in the hotel where he just fucking crack one open. He's like, Oh yeah, you want a beer? Like what? Yeah. <laughs> like, and it's this heavy foreign beer that <laughs> it's like a meal. You drink that. It's like fucking, I know Guinness is probably like the pussy version of like whatever those guys fucking yeah. have, but that's like over here. If you drink like a really heavy dark beer and you're like, fuck, this is like a goddamn meal.
1: <laughs> like dude, no bullshit. I actually did that. Oh, uh, a couple of times in Chicago where I literally would, Roll over. Go to the fridge and grab a Guinness. And the guy that I was staying with in the hotel, he was like, "The fuck are you? Why are you drinking Guinness now, dude?" And I was like, I'm "Thirsty. I need something to go with my pizza. I'm living." <laughs> yeah, he's like, "The fuck? <laughs> Big ass fucking deep dish Chicago pizza and a Guinness for breakfast? It's under the sauce, dude. That shit was fire.
0: Where's the cheese? It's under the sauce." <laughs> yeah but where the fucking toppings it's under the sauce
1: it was i know i love G- chicago G- pizza giodonis <laughs> dude i'm probably butchering the pronunciation because uh, anytime i would call to order it it was an actual like italian man so. of course it was yeah uh, so i i forgive me if i butchered that but i think that's how you say it something what like is that. it Giordonis. g-i-o-d something I don't know. like jodani's yeah something like that yeah, yeah. yeah
0: but it's just fucking funny because i can picture the one guy on the other end and be like this fucking drunk american piece of shit like, <laughs> I know. like fucking spitting his deep dish. <laughs> no,
1: like, it's under the sauce you'll yeah. never know you, you already know that i was waiting for the pizza not even in the hotel room i was waiting for it in the lobby
0: <laughs> jesus christ the, this the, sounds like something Valo would fucking do yeah, too. Yeah,
1: fucking pajama pants, no shoes, no slippers, nothing. Just waiting for him. Bags under my eyes because I've been out all night. <laughs> Jesus Christ! And I'm just fucking scalp just fucking shaved down to the very bone, you know. And I'm just like,
0: yeah, that's me, bro. Right, like you just see the dude coming. Yeah, that's. You don't even give a fuck whose order it actually probably is. You're just like, that's yeah, because it's it.
1: Chicago. You know, everybody's ordering pizza, especially right. if it's in a hotel and it's tourists. Yeah. Yep. Fuck yeah. Yeah. No, I was just like, I don't give a. Fuck. It's <laughs> mine now. You should have been out here waiting. The
0: right. Fuck. So, moving on to Intranodia, which this was probably one of my favorite ones on this whole thing.
1: It was beautiful, like just the harmony, like the 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 melody like I don't know it's just so pretty
0: yeah and we're starting to get into not all of the rest of these tracks but for sure this one the next one and the last one for sure in and Heartful of Ghosts, which is the next one Mm. neither of these really sound like anything he's done before and I think that's what I liked the most about him Mm -hmm. uh but In- Intranodia is a good like lead into heartful of ghosts because you don't expect what heartful of ghosts is it's very slow yeah uh there's tambourine on the snare drum on like every other measure which i've i'm a sucker for shit like that i loved it on um gone with the sin oh yeah how there's 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 a there's fucking um tambourine on the snare with like a little slight delay to you're it you're
1: right it does have a gone with the sin vibe i never i was trying to pinpoint God, what, what, this sounds,
0: I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's the closest that you probably could uh, get this to whatever he's done before because it's a different type of tempo than what he's usually done.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, and even being as big of a fan as I am of the band, him, they did have some formulaic tendencies with some of the shit they wrote. And it wasn't like they did it all the time, but you could tell certain... Song structures were like, okay, this is what worked for this fucking sound. Let's use this fucking sound. Right. Because arguably their most different material was on deep shadows and brilliant highlights. Mm -hmm. All of it. It felt acoustic led more than anything. There was a brighter production tone to it. This one, Heartful of Ghost felt like it was a razor blade romance track. Yeah, I can see that. That's what it felt like to me. It was very much a good like throwback to like, holy shit, because arguably that is the most well-known, aside from Dark Light, I think Razorblade Romance is the most well-known album from him. Yeah, It's got the most songs that gets rotated live.
1: Yes. Uh, I feel like it depends on in the States. In the US, I feel like Dark Light takes the W. It's both of them. Really, because yeah.
0: the because American fans know Razorblade Romance the that best as well. Yeah. A lot of people don't really fuck with Deep Shadows, though. And it's weird because on the Farewell Tour and on the Tears on Tape Tour, they did a couple of tracks from it. And I was like, fucking A, they finally they're showing it some love or whatever.
1: Dude, if, if you remember, uh, I bought Love Metal and Shadows and Highlights both on vinyl at the same time. Yep. Like, I ain't going to sleep on it. I, I love that album.
0: Same but a uh, heart of ghosts is the ballad as, as as weird as that sounds. That one is the ballad of the entire record. Like the whole fucking album. That is, that is the ballad track and very well done. And then it bleeds over into Saturnine Saturnalia, which again is more reminiscent of a Venus dune track, which has a hell of an outro with it already. And it's heavy. It's slower and heavy. Because I, I know that you're like a big stickler for that album, obviously, but like this particular song, obviously, as you mentioned earlier, really like sticks out more for you of the gothic of Finica ones. Mm-hmm.
1: Anything with like a crazy solo or outro, I don't know. There's just, it, it gets me moving, man. Gets me hyped.
0: I'm the same way. Putting this with uh, Zinner's Solitaire, which is the instrumental track on here. Do you feel like. Between Saturnine and Saturnalia, going into that one and then bleeding into Vertigo Eyes, do you feel like that's like looking at it from a track listing concept that works?
1: Absolutely, dude. As far as like not working, I can't think of anything.
0: Yeah, because I was gonna say, uh, and Vertigo Eyes again. Uh, that's a, that's a great closer. Like if it wasn't dude. gonna be Saturnine and Saturnalia as the closer, because that one easily could have been the closer. Like Vertigo Eyes is one hundred percent that bitch on this album, and it's fucking good, dude. Whenever
1: beat first initially drops and you got that fucking groove like every time i just want to fucking get up and move right and it's the longest song on the record it's seven minutes 43 seconds correct me if i'm wrong it's the longest song that valo has ever done period
0: no sleepwalking past hope is like 10 minutes and four seconds is it that is the, yeah it, ten, yeah it's it's definitely their this longest one yeah it's a, it, that is a long motherfucker bro it never feels that long that's because it's good Oh, my God. I know. You're you probably like, wait, what the fuck? Like, what the fuck? Fuck. <laughs> dude, I fucking love that album. Fuck. But no,
1: Vertigo Eyes. Uh, oh, God damn. Dude, dude. Th- this was fantastic. And I love how, like, Vallow is known for this, don't get me wrong, but this is a great example of how this man can use such a, obscure word within music such as vertigo
0: bro holy fuck I know just look like when I read the lyrics as I was listening along just the the uh, comparisons and the fucking the wordplay is fucking, is fucking fantastic
1: where it it's so simple yet never used and it paints such a picture you know where it's I, I don't know he god dude he's such a Good
0: lyricist. Hinterland's Sore Thumbs for the Moon, Ad Profund Discotheque. I love you. So it's like, what the fuck? How
1: long does he sit there before it comes out like that?
0: And you know what I think is hilarious? It, pro- it probably not very long at all. It makes me mad. It, me too. That's what I was going to get at. Man, like the dude. Bro, I can't even. I cannot fucking tell my girlfriend I love her like this. Man, I can fucking tell her, okay? <laughs> fucking can't do it, <laughs> okay? Like this. Everybody out there that has ever come across this man's music is like, nah, fam. Like, Valo is really the Mr. Steelio girl. Cause yeah, come on now. Like I said, if, if you don't appreciate like the musical aspect of it, you got to at least appreciate the uh, the lyricism from this guy. And I feel like the music and the lyrics both like are leveled up in a sense for, for this release uh, mm-hmm. Altogether, The track listing plays very well. You know how he's got everything laid out. It definitely feels like a quick listen. It doesn't feel like an hour. No, I was actually driving home from Texas a few days ago and I listened to this a lot. In fact, it was the only thing I listened to on the entire drive front to back several times. I, and I lost count of how many times and it was only, like a two and a half maybe two two hour and 45 minute drive and if you do the math oh that's like four and a half you know or four and a quarter times you could listen to this record and it's like no i felt like i listened to it many more times oh yeah
1: just uh as of yesterday i've listened i quit counting after 12.
0: yeah i did too because not just for this show but just in in general we're fans. We're going to see this man live in Houston in April. So I can't wait for that. Oh, shoot.
1: I'm, I'm fucking hyped.
0: Oh, look, I'm excited for you, dude, because look, y'all, I, I went to go to the, him uh, farewell tour. And this is whenever we both were just like, fuck dude, they're never doing shit again. And I wasn't even expecting Valo to do any kind of solo material that would even cross over to the States. Mm. So, and I felt back as like, this man was not able to make that tour. So, the fact that we're going to be able to go see him together, I'm excited because this will be my this will be my sixth time seeing this man live. This is going to be your first your first yeah. time.
1: Which is crazy because like we're both such huge fans. like we both have Partogram's plural tattooed on us, you know. Yep. Like you've got how many? that's a that's a loaded question.: <laughs> I only have the one, but
0: I'm pretty sure I've got four: elbow. That's that's including the elbow. Okay. 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 But, and it's all because, like one, I have standalone and then everything else is built into a different logo of theirs or a different right, artwork, yeah. but like really like all the artwork that I've got is from that band. And it all, it all means different shit for me because lyrically speaking, this man speaks to me mm-hmm. and I dig it. It's, it's like if you stuck Shakespeare with eighties and metal T- yeah. together. That's 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 the best I could fucking come up with.
1: I've always used the phrase Gothic Shakespeare. I mean, some people would say so Edgar
0: Allan Poe? No, not quite. I mean, yes, kind of. I mean, the man yes. has his fucking the man has Edgar Allan Poe's eyes tattooed on him. That is
1: true, but I'm saying like yes, but I, whenever I say Shakespeare, I mean of like the
0: intimacy of it. Right. And again, like I don't think there's like a perfect there there's not really a perfect rating for really anything. It's very rare that something gets a perfect rating. Like, but I do say like this is a four and a half out of five, at least for me. Because yeah. And and this that's the other thing that's been blowing my mind is how great the reviews have been for this record. Period. Like him, always got decent reviews from like Metal Hammer and Kerrang, and a lot of the European you know publications and things like that. But they've always been kind of shit on or forgotten about with like Rolling Stone and any kind of American publication that doesn't cover heavily cover alternative rock music. Mm -hmm. Uh, I want to say alternative press has always been pretty good to these guys and Valo in general, but this one has been getting like fours, fives like out of fives and then like nines, like eights out of tens and shit. And it's just like, you love to fucking see it. This man has literally been gone 10 years from recording like an American English record and for him to be, you know, welcomed back. And it's like, dude, nobody forgot about you. We fucking missed you. We can't fucking
1: wait to see you again. Exactly.
0: And, um, I really hope that people come out to see him at these shows here in the States because they're going to turn out in droves at the festivals that he's booked at. And especially in Europe, but stateside dude, like, Toward the end of him's run, like it was only certain major cities that were selling like the, the venues out. Like, even the last time I saw them at the House of Blues, it was as a far cry from the Tears on Tape tour. Tears on Tape tour, the upper balcony at the House of Blues was not very filled. Whenever I went to go see them on the farewell tour, you couldn't fucking like, you couldn't squeeze anybody else into that building. They were about to break the fucking fire code. Shit. You had people from the balcony that bought balcony seats going downstairs to the pit. And that's what was fucking them. They were, they were about to exceed the fire code on the floor. Holy fuck. Because you had him, CKY, and three teeth, which that was a hell of a fucking lineup oh, right there yeah. already. But, you know, a lot of people are like, well, this is my last chance. You know, little did we know. But
1: as far as just like a rating, I mean, honestly, I have to sit back and think, okay, do you have any complaints about it? No. Do you have any nitpicks? No. Well, then it has to be a five, right? Yeah I guess so. I mean where where it's like you almost feel guilty for giving something a 5 because it's like yeah but I I, I don't want to say that it's perfect because there's no such thing as a perfect album. No but I don't know there's nothing that I would change or alter here. Like from cover to cover it's just I don't skip anything here. Like I I don't know I'm gonna go with a 5 dude. Like I fucking loved it. I loved how like Dark yet beautiful, the lyrics were. I loved the glitz and glamour with the shades of black all within it. I, I don't know. You know what this? If I were to put a wallpaper and say, this is what this album is, do you remember whenever they used to have like that construction paper that was black, but it had like the glitter on top? Yeah. That's
0: what this is. No, I can totally see that. Oh, absolutely. And it's weird because it does work. Like if, you know, now that I'm thinking more and more about it if you look at the album cover it being in black and white and shit, it definitely does make more sense.
1: Yeah. The sound is neon, but it's the feeling.
0: Noir. Yeah, I was going to say the feeling is very film noir in a way kind yeah. of. Like even the music videos have been like
1: different. From, Dude, the title track's music video was amazing. Right. I love the visuals.
0: Yeah, and it's so weird because I think we were talking about this earlier. Um the Love Letting music video was Different. Like yeah. really different. Cause I was like I was really trying to figure and, and I'm and it's probably because I'm stupid as fuck, but I was really trying to figure out like what what is the, I was looking for like a deeper meaning and I haven't actually even read into this at all. He's just kind of hanging out with a black sheep throughout the whole thing. And I think I just kind of like realized that. It's like yeah, it's a black it's a, sheep. The black sheep, yeah.
1: Yeah. I was about to explain. Like he's it. caring yeah. for the black
0: sheep. Yeah. You know, or he's, you know, I don't know. That's, and that's
1: love. That's how he views love that he might be the black sheep. Yep. So really, he's trying to take care of himself.
0: Yeah, very poetic. That's very fucking poetic. I actually like that a lot. Holy <laughs> fuck! Maybe I'm not stupid after all. <laughs> maybe I just maybe I just need lead on a fucking leash, like he was leading the fucking yeah sheep or
1: whatever. And I'm glad you use that analogy because I was about to say like between the music videos and the sound itself, this almost feels like what Vallo always wanted to do. But it's like the leash is off; he can do whatever
0: he wants. Absolutely, because a lot of people like to close this conversation out. It definitely, this works because a lot of people were coming out. It's like, well, why didn't you just make this a hymn record with the rest of the guys in the band? If you write all the music and this, that, and the other, and it's like, man, it takes all five of them to make that band. Yeah. When gas, the drummer, when he left, that was kind of it. Mm-hmm. He played drums on the tears on tape tour and then he fucking dipped and they tried to write new music with the new guy and like the rest of them, but none of them were really feeling it. And that's why they decided to hang it up. They were just like, oh, no, there's really no new ground to explore. No new ground to break, and if one of the you know if one of the spokes on the wheel is broken, the wheel is not going to turn correctly. You know, right? So, I understand, mm-hmm. but I'm excited to see him get out there and maybe feel rejuvenated because even on the farewell tour, it feels like you know they were just they were playing the hits and phoning it in, and it wasn't like oh we're, we don't want to be here. But you could tell by the end of it because we caught some of the very last bits of this that tour. They they just were ready. They were just fucking ready. But again, it's been. It's been 10 years since a full release, and it's been, uh, fuck, it's been six since a full tour for him for any of this shit. Uh, so far, it's a good 50-50 mix of his solo material and the material from him. Uh, I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to see where he goes from here. Does he put out another solo record? Does him somehow get back together? I don't see that happening. I feel like this is, this is what we're going to have from now on is like his solo shit because he can fully control it.
1: How many do you predict? Because look at the numbers. It's doing great.
0: At least two more. He's you know, he's in his forties now. Yeah. But I mean, he doesn't look like he's in his forties. But I feel like he's got some longevity here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's not a stretch or it's not a reach to say that he wouldn't do this for another decade. I'd it, be At, very at happy. least.
1: I would be absurdly happy.
0: Yeah, because we're looking at what is it, 2023? Him started in nineteen ninety one. Yeah, man, he could go, fuck, 2031, retire at 2031, and he, that's 40 fucking years.
1: I'd be happy with that. if yeah. he, Especially if he drops something even every three years, which that
0: even that's a pretty lengthy time. I would like to think that he would probably now do it every couple of years because, like, he, yeah. he has it. Like, if he's in charge and he's writing his own shit and recording all the music on his own, I mean... He even said it himself, like, with the lockdown, like, he was figuring out how to do it, and once he figured out how to do it and how he wanted to do it, he just did it, Mm. and I'm pretty sure, like, he just, he does this and he goes home, he was, because he was talking about, I think there was an interview where he was like, we don't really get out much, he's like, you know, we're indoor people and shit over in Finland, you know? Motherfucker, you better give us, like, 18 albums, and you ain't got no excuse. It's a lot of albums. Shut the fuck up, I want the music. Well, if the festival circuit is anything to go by, he's booked on a shitload of festivals.
1: Yeah. I've noticed that. Like, it seems like it's every, fucking smart, dude.
0: Good for him, dude. Chase it's, that bag. That's what I was going to say. It's fucking smart because that's where he's going to make most of his money on this tour is doing the festival circuits,
1: which is crazy to think about because everything is sold out that he on his own is touring.
0: Right. But what I think it is, is like we're missing that void. Mm-hmm. We're literally missing the void that, that only he as an artist, whether it's him or him, the band could fill, you know, um, he's there. Yeah. And it's crazy to see that logo with the VV and everything next to fucking like Megadeth and Slipknot and fucking Metallica and Stain and all these. Yeah. And all these fucking like heavier metal, like cradle of filth, all these heavier fucking metal bands. And he's up there with them. And these are festivals that are just like, no, we want like, we want the heaviest of the heavy. We want the filthiest of the filthy. And I always have loved the way that him just manages to like, we're right here in our, we have our own fucking niche. Mm-hmm. But Vallo has enough balls about him and the music has enough fucking sack about it where it's like, no, we're, we can be just as heavy.
1: It's almost like a uh, poppy where she's been everywhere in these festivals as well yep i mean shit alice and chains and all that shit uh like she's been like dude that's another one that's been grinding which by the way i don't know if you've noticed instagram her profile page has a new logo she's dyed her hair blonde again we're in a new era shit's coming oh yes sir yes sir
0: fuck put valo and poppy on a tour together uh. exactly
1: Dude, I, I wouldn't even know what to do with myself.
0: Oh, neither would I. Visit SuperMediaBrosPodcast.com for past, present, and future episodes. Check out all the other shows on the OddPods Media Network by visiting OddPodsMedia.com. Subscribe to us on YouTube, follow us on social media, leave us a rating and review at Apple Podcasts, PodChaser, Good Pods, or Spotify, and go buy some merchandise for fuck's sake. Like, legit, we 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 have we 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 have a new t shirt up and you should all go fucking buy it it's it's the it's the super media bro's brother mania t should looks fire it is fire if if you've ever wanted uh if you've ever wanted to uh pay tribute to a specific 1980s uh pro wrestler brother you should uh you should go buy a fucking t- shirt from us because we cover wrestling on this podcast, and that's pretty much like the most recognizable thing that you could ever associate with pro wrestling is brother mania so Let's go. I think it's time we go uh, spin this record like a trillion more times or so. We got a we fucking tour to go see. We got to get prepared for this motherfucker.
1: Amen.
0: Maybe we can figure out who the hell is going to open for him on this son of a bitch.
1: Bro, what if this man says, psych, I lied. Here is another
0: 30 minutes of just me. I would shit it. Dude. I would shit it <laughs> myself. Like, I would shit it. Or, like, I will future and past tense at the same Dude, time. Dude, that shit would be Fire yeah let's get out of here man all right thank you guys very much for hanging out with us this has been the neon noir album review from Villavalo it's episode 259 of the super media bros podcast until next week I'm Richie and I'm Devin shades on we're off
1: with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere